Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Piercing the Darkness, the podcast dedicated to growing in faith, hope, and love towards both God and others while exposing the kingdom of darkness. Michael John Petty here to talk with you this morning about a topic that's a little different than the normal thing uh, this show has been discussing as of late. Um, With this show, you know, I prefer to talk about biblical and spiritual topics, including spiritual warfare, testimonies, of which we're planning on having a lot more, by the way, and issues of Christian living that others and myself struggle with, including things like doubt. This week, however, I feel the need to share something a little bit different. So last Friday, and today is Saturday, January 19th, so last Friday, I read the latest edition of The Shock Letter, which is a weekly email sent out by John Little of OmegaShock.com that I subscribe to and read every so often. John used to live here in America. He has since moved to Thailand, and he comments about his former country from there. And although I often agree with Little's assessment of our culture, political landscape, and biblical text, there are also times where I do disagree with him. So don't take this as necessarily an endorsement, but I think what he wrote here was very good. Last week's letter, entitled Patriotism versus God, is one instance where I have no immediate disagreements with him. Now, what Mr. Little wrote, I'm going to be reading from now on as follows, quote, Can you be a Christian and a patriot? Before you answer that question, let me remind you that you cannot be a follower of Christ if you love anything more than God. In fact, the best definition of idolatry is the love of something more than God. So are you a patriot? Of course, your answer might change a bit if that nation is truly following God, and the problem is that there isn't any nation today that follows God. So the issue is moot. And I'm afraid that I haven't dealt with this question as well as I should in my own life. A picture of two men, two evil men, excuse me, standing side by side forced me into a bout of introspection that helped me realize that one of the reasons why I get so angry with the evil coming from America is that deep down I am still patriotic, or at least want to be. I'm not even close to being a true patriot, but it's obvious that I haven't really dealt with all those latent expectations that I have. The Chinese government is easily as evil as the American government, but I don't get angry as angry with them as I do with the swamp creatures in Washington, and that made me think a bit. Please remember that God doesn't care about what passport you carry or what country you are a citizen of. He cares about you, and he demands that you love him more than any other thing or idea in this universe. And there is no exception to this demand if you wish to enter heaven, and I do love God more than any other thing or idea. But it's clear that I must be still holding on to some kind of patriotism or I wouldn't yell, scream, and type in all caps when American politicians act like sewer rats. Being driven round the bend by a picture of Paul Ryan is ridiculous, but when I sat down to think about it, I realized that my family had been firmly steeped in patriotism. We loved our country, and we worked hard to keep it from going down the tubes. We went to meetings, we spoke out, we did stuff. And over the centuries, my family sent our sons off to war, every war, in every generation. When called, we gladly served. And it's hard to shake a centuries-long legacy like that. The stories that we shared about our uncles and cousins who had gone off to war. My dad's mom talked about her ancestors coming on the Mayflower and how her parents were a part of the Oklahoma land rush. She grew up with dirt floors and riding on horseback, but lived to see the moon landings in the space shuttle. And then I learned of an early John Little that fell in battle fighting for American independence. 
shot by a Hessian. Ugh. But is all that history meaningful? No. We have been bought with a price. We have chosen to be citizens of a different kingdom. We are not of this world, so it doesn't matter if your family goes back centuries in the place where you were born, or is just an inch deep in its history. It doesn't matter how great or good your country is or isn't. What matters is whether you have your name inscribed in the Book of Life. So let me ask my fellow Americans, are you an American first, or is America second? If you put America first, you are not going to make it to heaven. And that's why the Chinese Communist Party is putting Christians in jail, because they know that true Christians put China second. The Chinese government knows that a true Christian can never be a Chinese patriot, ever. But I see too many Christian patriots, and far too many of them are willing to kill those that the American government tells them to kill. And then there's a problem with the fact that our government has become evil. Will God bless the desire to participate in armed revolution? Even to overthrow an evil government? I'm afraid the answer is no. Emphatically no. And there's a part of me that doesn't like that answer, but God did not ask for my input, or yours. Our citizenship is in heaven. Unfortunately, all of this is easier to say than to do. The evil that we see is painful to watch. The lives destroyed by our government tear at our soul. We grieve over a world awash in suffering because greedy men and women will do anything for just one more dollar. I thank God that I am married to someone who puts me second in her life, and she's glad that I put her in second place also. For us, God is first. How about you? End quote. I love what John wrote here for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, I've felt that way for a long time, about the United States, that I couldn't honestly be a patriot, a lover of this country, and still love God. And it's not that I don't love the people in this country, it's not that I don't love the land itself, but what the nation is as a whole, what it stands for, clearly it's in opposition to God. Clearly every nation is in opposition to God. And personally, I have a problem with that. And I know there's a lot of Christians who don't. I think there's a lot of Christians that have been misled by those behind the pulpit. I believe that there's a lot of Christians that have been, been misled for a long time by politicians on both sides. And even more so, I think there's a lot of Christians who have been blinded by what the likes of Hollywood and other media outlets have told them, so much so to the point where they can't think for themselves. And because of that, I think that we have turned our back on following God first and instead followed the course of our own lives first, including, for some, being patriots over being lovers of God, being over being Christians. Earlier today, I was confronted on Twitter by a series of videos and news clippings about some kids from a Catholic high school who were supposedly being disruptive to a Native American elder and a Native American march just in general. One of the kids, who has since become the face of this incident, proudly wore both a red Make America Great Again hat on his head and an almost devilish smirk on his face. 
immediately the internet condemned him to hell itself, and some even called for his death. Granted, those are extremes in what I saw, but for some reason those extremes actually became very common very fast. You know, eventually the full unedited by the media video footage came to light of this incident. Um, there's, I think, like an hour or so of it, maybe two total, showing the native man being the initial instigator of the conflict, a conflict that was not at all physically violent, I might add. And Twitter has since been relatively silent on the specific issue, though ARC continuing to be consistent in calling out Catholic and Christian schools as being bereading grounds for racism and other evils. Before this footage was revealed, however, all of the people, all that the people were seeing was a 30-second clip, and actually I think it was even less than that because I think the first clip I saw was six seconds, and a newscast of the native man named Nathan apparently lying on camera about the incident. Again, I won't call him a liar myself since I have not watched through all the footage, but those who have say that it very clearly contradicts the narrative that he was espousing after the event. But these pieces of video fueled once again by the mainstream media circulated Twitter within minutes, eventually producing a hashtag exposed Christian schools. Now, I'm not going to get into that hashtag tonight because that's a very loaded subject that frankly deserves its own podcast and I could definitely do justice with some friends of mine who went to Christian school um, their whole lives. And I actually went to Christian school my entire life up until I went to college. I was homeschooled for one year also, but mostly Christian school. But regardless, I do feel the need to make the quick distinction between Catholicism and Christianity. Once again, these are not the same thing. Um, anyone who tells you that they are does not know the history behind the Catholic Church and has not read the New Testament and taken it to heart because many Catholic rites and rituals actually go against biblical doctrine. And that's a very clear fact. So I'm not saying that there aren't Catholics who are Christian, there certainly are. Um, I know I know people personally who have been saved in the Catholic Church. I also know people who have been saved after leaving the Catholic Church and have seen the difference between the two very vividly uh, just by reading scripture. So that's beside the point. Um, I'm not really going to go there. But regardless, I want to talk briefly about a tweet that I saw about this incident that I spoke of from Scott Derrickson, who is a filmmaker. Um, he directed Exorcism of Emily Rose and one of Marvel's most recent films, Doctor Strange. He's a filmmaker that actually I, I like. I, I appreciate his work uh, to a point. He's, he has a lot of very good filmmaking and screenwriting, specifically advice on his Twitter, which is why I follow him. And often I agree with a lot of the things he says on film. It's when he talks politics, like many people on film Twitter seem to, that I tend to not agree. Anyway, his quote read, as quoted here, quote, if you support Trump, you support white supremacy, and that makes you a straight-up racist, and most of you identify as Christian. These are cold, hard, incontrovertible facts, end quote. The reason I let that sit for a moment is because on the surface, with all, all the things going on in this world, it's maybe a comment that a lot of people agree with. It's maybe a comment that some of you agree with. Maybe it's a comment that some of you vehemently oppose. Personally, I opposed it. Not because I agree with everything Donald Trump does. I 
very rarely agree with a lot of what Donald Trump does. And as far as him being a moral figure, I don't think he has any, hardly any morality at all. But I don't think that there's any moral justification in Mr. Derrickson's comments here either. Um, I don't think that everybody who voted for Donald Trump is a racist or a white supremacist. And there are a lot of Christians out there who I think voted for him for other reasons. But regardless, my response was, quote, I wonder if people like this have ever actually met someone with a differing political view or if they just believe all that's said online. I am and always have been a never-Trumper, but I know many who voted for him and some of them are the kindest, most loving people. Let's stop generalizing and dividing and treat others how we would like to be treated in turn. There's no problem with calling out acts of evil or immorality, but be willing to point back at yourself and the people you support too. That goes for anything, end quote. I thought that that was pretty straightforward. I thought that that unified people more than it divided them. It was a way to call out the comment without personally attacking, without getting angry or frustrated. I was actually very calm and collected in my response, and I thought about it quite a bit before I typed it. Regardless, it turns out my message, again, meant to unify, unify and not divide any further only ruffled some feathers and begat a flood of anger, so maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. I had people call me all but a white supremacist and a tool, insisting that anyone who voted for Donald Trump is clearly racist and that their support of someone like him is because of their own white supremacist beliefs. Many even went so... <laughs> before I even say that, don't, don't, let's just forget about all the black people or the women or the Asians or the Indians or the Mexicans who voted for Donald Trump because... By the way, newsflash, there were people of color who did vote for Donald Trump and still support Donald Trump more than some white people do. Um, so let's just ignore them and make it all about white supremacy. But anyway, many even went so far as to suggest that I don't really know these people that I'm talking about and that they're actually incredibly racist to people of color when I, a white male, am not around. Speaking of, I am also more Native American than Elizabeth Warren is. My dad is half Native and half Irish-French, so I don't know. That makes me a quarter Native. Not totally white. Granted, I do look pretty white, but my brother and one of my sisters do not look white. So, regardless. My favorite response, though, was when I simply just got a verse reference, and the reference was Matthew 5.46, which in the NIV reads... If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And I, I think what the person was trying to say was, you're defending these people who have either voted for or supported Donald Trump because they love you, because you know them. What good does that do? And, and, and I think that's an actual, actually a fair point. Um, I can't really argue with that completely. Of course, this person has taken it out of context, you know, this, this passage in Matthew is when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount where he talked explicitly about loving your enemies and those who persecute you. Those who responded to me could have learned a thing or two from that. In fact, a real Christian, such as someone like Cor Ten Boom from The Hiding Place or Louis Zamprini from Unbroken, both true stories from the World War II era, by the way, would forgive people like the Nazis or the Japanese who 
tortured and tormented them and killed their friends and family in front of them and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, hoping that they would be saved. That's what a true Christian looks like. Desmond Doss, a medic on the Pacific front made popular recently by the Mel Gibson film Hacksaw Ridge, great film, by the way, even tried to save the lives of members of the Japanese army that he and the U.S. Army had been fighting against. And this is after he suffered heavy persecution from and had forgiven the U.S. Army for belittling him and persecuting him for his pacifist beliefs. Corey Ten Boom, Louis Zamperini, and Desmond Dawes were women and men of God. And the love of Jesus was reflected in the way that they loved those who did everything in their power to destroy them. To the point where these people actually wanted their enemies saved and changed from the inside out. That's what a true Christian looks like. That's what love looks like. And I don't mind defending people that I disagree with. Be him liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, Trump supporter or not. My entire point on my Twitter response was for people to take a step back and to think, to stop feeding into the partisan system and submit their wills to God, to acknowledge the people beside them who have different political and religious views, and that not all, in fact, not any true Christian would hate gay people. Not any true Christian would act rebelliously or speak with racist or nationalistic platitudes that raise whites above any other race. And if there are Christians, true Christians, who are doing such things, their hearts are clearly in need of a revival and a question where their faith truly lies. Of course, this all stems from the notion that everyone who claims to be a Christian is in fact a Christian, which is obviously not true, and that everyone who voted for Donald Trump is evil, which is also obviously not true. And, and I think that's a huge point that we here in America need to understand and recognize is that there's a lot of people who go to church. There's a lot of people who identify as Christians. I have a friend and her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend now, thank God, was Lutheran. And I asked him about faith, about God and what he believed, and he just continued to claim that he was Lutheran. That was it. But in the way he lived his life, and the way he acted, and the way he treated my friend, and certainly in the way that he treated God whenever we would bow to pray before a meal, when he would scoff or laugh or roll his eyes if we mention the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not a Christian. And so we need to remember as Americans that not everybody who claims to be Christian is actually Christian. There's a lot of people who take the name of Christ upon themselves when they call themselves a Christian who don't actually follow him, who don't actually have a relationship with him. And that's really sad. And these people need Jesus. They need to be saved. In fact, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, so two chapters from where we had just read, Jesus says that there's going to be many who come to him who say, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not do good works in your name? These are people who said that they were Christians. And Jesus will say, away from me, I never knew you. You who work lawlessness. You who practice iniquity. And so when Scott Derrickson says that most of the people who voted for Trump say, claim to be Christians, 
That's true in the fact that they claim to be Christians, but it's not true in the fact that they are. Not really. And I'm, again, I'm not speaking for every every Trump supporter. That's not, not what I'm saying at all. I'm talking about the large masses in America as a whole who want nothing to do with God invading their own personal lives but claim that they're a Christian because they go to church on Sunday. These are the people who John Little talks about as being patriots, as being lovers of America and, and of themselves even before following God. That's why I read his passage before before we started here. There are many Christians out there, true Christians, now I'm talking about true Christians out there, a few who have been on this very podcast, by the way, who actually voted for, for and have supported Donald Trump. Now, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I couldn't. And honestly, that was primarily based on his character and his morality. And based on that, I, I have a hard time understanding why a Christian would vote for him. And in fact, I spoke out to a lot of Christians about voting for him. Um, nevertheless, a lot of the people that I know who did who, again, are true, genuine Christians. You can see it in their everyday life. But for him, based on his policies, not on his moral character. And that's between them and God. That has nothing to do with me. I have no right to tell them what to do, and I never will. Um, but, again, these are people who are Christians and who genuinely are loving and genuinely are kind to other people whether they're Christian or not. These are people who love the, their enemies. And I was told that I don't know these people. I was told that these people are actually racist, that they're actually white supremacists. Not all the people I'm talking about are even white, at least not fully white. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. But going back to what John Little wrote uh, that I read earlier, I don't believe unless we're specifically called by God to do so, and I believe that there's people who are. You know, Daniel, the prophet Daniel, the Old Testament, was one of these people for sure. The kings of the Old Testament were some of these people for sure. The judges, etc. Moses, etc. Unless we're specifically called by God to do so, I don't believe that the Christian should be consistently engaged in the political system the way that many of us are. Instead, our role, our job, is to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to love God with everything that we have, submitting our loves, our lives, and our beliefs, including our political beliefs, to him in unreserved obedience. You know, this means the Christian who supports Planned Parenthood needs to remember that God said that the life is in the blood. He said that in Leviticus 17, verse 11. And if a fetus, which literally means unborn baby, has blood cells, you know, a fetus heart starts beating at week five, by the way. Hearts circulate blood, so blood cells means it's alive, according to God. And they need to submit to God's view of life and not their own view of life and not the world's view or lack of view of life. This also means that the Christian who loves the United States of America and has put their love of country over the love of Jesus Christ, their love of themselves over their love of Jesus Christ, who has put on the moniker of Christian, in their life, but are not truly pursuing him, they need to forsake the world, forsake Rome, like the apostles had to do back in the day, and cling to Christ, remembering that our citizenship is in heaven, like Paul says in Philippians 3.20, and that we seek a better country than this. 
And I'm by no means saying that we don't engage in human rights issues or that we aren't involved in, in local politics that, that, you know, where policy affects the people around us. I'm not saying that at all. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist preacher and his faith in Christ fueled his message of unity and basic human decency. And he is one of the biggest faces of the civil rights movement. And he did that through peace and love. And he was killed for it. Jesus says, if they hate you, remember that they hated me first. Billy Graham was known as much as, was as much well known as a political figure as he was a religious one. Yet his commitment ultimately was Jesus Christ and not the United States of America. Though his calling was the United States of America. That's, diff that's different. He wasn't a patriot. He was a disciple. He was a follower of Christ. And that's what John Little is saying in his statement about patriotism versus God. And that's what I'm trying to echo now. Now, I understand that this might be a lot for some of you, and I understand that I'll probably get some backlash for this, as I did for my comments on Twitter. That's fine. I'm prepared for that. Regardless, I hope that you will submit yourselves to the Lord, trust him, and ask that he would reveal the truth to you, whether you like his answers or not. And so often we don't. The sermon at our church this morning, and I'm recording the second half of the podcast on the 20th. Earlier I said it was Saturday the 19th, um, and that was true. I recorded the first half of this yesterday, second half of this today, the 20th of January. And our sermon this morning was about what are we willing to sacrifice for God? And our pastor told a story from 2 Samuel where David was thirsty and he wanted a drink from a well of Bethlehem. And, and this well was surrounded and guarded by the Philistines. And three of David's mighty men ran down to this well to get their king a drink because they were willing to lay their lives down for their king. And they did it. They, they beat these Philistines. They got the water. They brought it back to David and they said, here you go. And David took the cup and he looked at it and he poured it on the ground. And he said that, Lord, this is for you. It wasn't about his own physical need. It wasn't about what he wanted. It was about what he was willing to give back to God. And I think many of us here in America need to ask ourselves, honestly, what have we put above God? Have we put our country above God? Have we put our careers above God, our family above God? Have we put ourselves above God? There could be a million different idols on our hearts, a million different possibilities that we could have answers for, too. But I guess ultimately we have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do about that? Are we willing to submit ourselves to God or not? That's all I got for this week's show. Sorry I didn't have a guest. I wanted to have a guest. I was supposed to have a testimony uh, for this week. Unfortunately, that didn't 
didn't work out. And I'm hopeful that we will have more testimonies coming coming soon, coming within the next couple of weeks. But I, th this all was on my heart, and I felt the need to say it. And if I said something that was unbiblical, if I said something that goes against the word of God, I ask that someone would tell me, I ask that you would call me out. And I will take that. That's fine. I'll own it. But I trust. I trust that you'll heed my words. I trust that you'll heed the words of John Little. I trust that you'll heed the words um, of, of the gospel, quite frankly. And remember that Jesus is our king. Donald Trump might be the president of the United States. That's fine. You know, I have no control over that. You don't have any control over that. Not at this point, anyway. But Jesus is our king. Will you submit your all to him? If you guys want to check out past episodes of Piercing the Darkness, or if you have an issue with anything that I said and you want to call me out on it, visit our website, piercingthedarknesspodcast.com. You can contact us through there. You can find our social medias through there. You can read old articles and listen to old podcasts on there. I hope that you do. And until next week, this is Michael John Petty for Piercing the Darkness, signing off.